Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Furnicus, hurting alpacas like there's no tomorrow, drinking all the coffee he can beg, steal, or borrow. (laughs) He jokes. He tokes. He's a joy to all the folks. Charette. Say what? Nice. Yeah. That was awesome. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you. I added, I, you know, I mentioned last week, I was like, <laughs> rhyming scheme. Yeah, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do some rhymes. So, I don't know. I haven't decided if I want to change the rhymes every week. I think I want to change the rhymes every week. Hmm. I'm going to get to a certain amount, and then I'm going to change the the inside rhyme scheme. It's going to... Okay. It's going to test my poetry skills, you know? <laughs> there you go. My rhyme skills. Uh, Mike, did you dress as W or uh, MB, NBA 2K? Mm. What did you dress as? Halloween. Uh, I actually went as uh, Jimmy Neutron. Okay. My favorite. All right. Okay. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Was it, was it received well? Were you? You know... I don't think it was received at all because we didn't really have any trick-or-treaters. I did walk around the neighborhood wearing the Jimmy Neutron (laughs) shirt and pants, but uh, I don't think anybody really noticed. I thought they just, that's how I dressed. Oh, wow. So you just sort of (laughs) dressed up like, like, I mean, you didn't actually like have a place to go really. Like you weren't going to a party. No, we kept it pretty low key. What about you? That's dedication. I, like I said, did nothing. So true. Uh, I stayed in my office until like 7.30. And then I realized when I was coming home, I was like, ah, crap. Trick-or-treaters still could be coming to my house. (laughs) So then I drove around for like 45 minutes to make sure that no one would be at my house when I got back. And sure enough, no trick-or-treaters. So uh, if you live in my neighborhood, kids, please don't egg my house thank you uh yeah but all in all it was good i wasn't bothered uh i did not have to dress up like jesus once again of course i thought maybe i should dress up like jesus and then i did so you know anyways mike i i did do something though this weekend that i really enjoy uh it's a fun thing i got really psyched about it do you like making playlists? Hmm. Oh yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Now, now, all all genres. Do you just jump across genres? Party with everything? Yeah, I got a playlist. I'm thinking about making a new playlist for some songs that you suggested, and mm. also my dad, which Word. is like a classic rock playlist. Ooh. But it's gonna be like a yeah. I, I like guess it. would be a classic rock playlist, yeah. I like now. What uh, what service do you like to make your playlist? Spotify, Apple. What do you go with? Spotify. Okay, okay. I do most of my work on Apple, and it's okay. for my it's for my own enjoyment. You know, you don't you don't put it out there to the world. But I will say we do have a playlist for the show on Spotify. So true. It includes all of the artists that have been on the show. Yes! It's wide ranging. It's super enjoyable. 
although I will say I think it's too wide for most people as far as the ranges because we've had so many different guests on there. People can't yeah. handle the range. But I highly <laughs> recommend it, Mike. It, go on Spotify. Give it a like. Doc G Show playlist. Uh, there you go. Um, anyways. I know now it seems like I brought this up purely to plug our playlist, but that's not why I did it. That's that's not why we're talking about playlists, Mike. I did it because I'm pretty psyched about another playlist that I've been starting. I started a playlist a little bit like yours, but it's just it's just classic like yours. It's a theme. Uh, it's a playlist of all '70s music. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about you, Mike. I'm a huge fan of 70s. Mm-hmm. Huge. Like, behind 90s, it's probably my favorite decade of music. I, I just... Yeah. Huge fan. Huge fan. I, and they're, they're close. I mean, I might say 90s is, is first, but I don't know. If they got in a brawl, who knows? 70s might pull it out. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of both. Now... Yeah. Uh, Mike, every playlist has to have a solid name, right? You got to come up with mm-hmm. a pretty cool name. Uh, and I could have just gone with like 1970s. That would have been stupid. Blam. But uh, <laughs> I went with a simple, classy name, which was Pubes. Sweet. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. 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 Because I, I don't know if the listeners know, but it's a decade known for body hair. Yeah, it's, it was. I mean, if you don't believe me, listeners, Google Burt Reynolds' 1972 bearskin rug, and you'll be a believer. Plus, you'll be turned on. Let's be honest. Just, just sexy. That's right. Just sexy. Now, it's a good photo. It's a very good photo for Cosmo is where that came from. Cosmo. I didn't know that. Yeah, weird, weird. Anyways, uh, it's no easy task. I went for the whole decade, Mike. The whole decade. It's got to be in there. Aerosmith, Boston, America, Al Green, Waylon Jennings, Almond Brothers, Doobie Brothers, mm. Willie Nelson, Eagles, Fleetwood Mac, Carol King, Paul McCartney, John Denver, Paul Simon, Marvin Gaye, Temptations, Isley Brothers. It's all there. It's all there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, were there any one hit wonders? Oh, you better believe I have some one hit wonders in there, Mike. <laughs> I've got some. Have you ever heard of the song? Brandy by Looking Glass? Hmm. I don't think so. Oh, my God. Talk about showered in pubes, Mike. This one. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, man. Let me, can I give you a couple lines? Oh, yeah, please. <clears throat> they said, Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you will be. Yeah, your eyes could steal a sailor from the sea. Yeah, yeah, that's Brandy right there. That yeah. Mike, that <laughs> song has some really. Let me let me just read you a couple of lines from the song. Uh, Brandy used to watch his eyes when he told his sailor stories. Hmm. She could feel the ocean fall and rise. She saw its raging glory. Huh? Ooh. Yeah. That's good writing. Yeah, I don't know, Mike. I got a feeling. <laughs> I don't think they're talking about the sea right there. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I think there's a deeper meaning. You know. I think it's sort mm-hmm. of a a deep and then not so deep and then deep sort of in and out, if you will. Meaning. What? I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> it gets there. Uh, how about another one hit wonder? Right place, wrong time. Doctor John. You ever heard that one? Hmm. 
Hmm, I don't think so. Mm, have you ever seen the movie Dazed and Confused? Yes. It's cranking when they're at the moon tower party. Party at the ah. moon tower. Yeah, it's there. It's there. Now, the biggest thing, the sort of the finale as I was doing this, because I wasted several hours this weekend working on this playlist, Mike, for just my enjoyment. Sweet. Just, <laughs> just me and me alone. I, I guess it became the listener's enjoyment or dismay when I started talking about it on the show, whichever. <laughs> um, but I started thinking, what's like the most 70s song you can get? Like, what's the 70s, the 70s jam? Can can you think of what you would typify? I, I thought of a couple. Hmm. Um, I would say that for it to be a 70s song, it would have had to have been on one of those like infomercials where mm -hmm. they just had people dancing to the 70s oh, yeah. music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love those. I get sucked in by those and be like, that's only $39.99 and you get six CDs? <laughs> yeah, that's worth it. Yes! That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking you could go. I mean, a lot of people think '70s and they think disco. So true, you know. Mm -hmm. and, like, and I was like, well, you can't get more disco. You can't get more '70s than "Staying Alive," you know. No, like BG's "Staying Alive," and yeah, I started thinking about that song. That song. That people act like that's a cheesy song. Girl, come on! It doesn't get the respect it deserves. I mean, it. It to me, it's baby. You put some respect on its name. I mean, it's it's impressive. I mean, you know those yeah. lyrics? Well, you can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. Music loud. Women warm. I've been kicked around since I was born. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, so good. <laughs> so, it's a good song. Oh, I love it. But I was like, I'm not a huge disco guy. Like, I love that jam, and I respect that jam, but I was like... Oh no! I feel like if I got to go most seventy song, this is what I decided. L listeners, uh, you know, message us, email us if you don't believe this. But I'm going Eagles Hotel California. I think. Yeah. I don't think I can get more seventies than that song. I don't think I can get better than that song. That's just a jam. That's just mm -hmm. a straight through jam. And of course, listeners, yes, that was one of the first songs that hit the playlist. Yes. Yes, it was mm. it was right up there at the top. Uh, so, anyways, Mike, that's all I had. What I, I've, I've just been deep at thought over the last couple of weeks, thinking about the best '70s jams to add to my playlist. Yeah, P Pubes is a robust, thorough <laughs> '70s playlist. Now, now that we all know that I spend my time poorly, are you ready to fire this show up? Let's do it. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Oh my gosh, Mike. Speaking of fantastic music, he's 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 not well, he was born in the 70s, but he uh he does not make 70s music. Hmm. We have got none other than Mr. Eric Hutchinson. Very excited to talk to Mr. Eric Hutchinson. I think he was born in the 70s. He might have been born in the 80s. Now that I'm doing the math, it might have been 80 that he was born in. I might have spoke too soon. Hmm. See, he's he's on the border because he was. I mean, I mean, it's sort of topical. His last album was Class of '98. Uh, uh, sort of like an homage to his high school years. He he graduated '98, so that would mean '80. Uh, hmm. I'm guessing either. I mean, yeah. it could have been '79. Anyways, yeah. 
Anyways, he likes to make playlists too, Mike. So true. He makes some playlists. He calls it the E Hutch mixtape. I like it. Mm. I like it. We're gonna we're gonna talk his mixtapes. We're gonna talk <laughs> his own music. We're gonna talk touring with John Mulaney, like I talked uh, uh, told you about uh, last week. But uh, really excited about it. But right now we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Boom. Happy birthday, Mr. President. There it is. Now, Mike, I'm going to just throw it to you cold turkey here. <laughs> You're going to get two of these wrong. Oh. Uh, <laughs> All right. The first one, I mean, I, I'll go ahead and say I know at least one of them. I would not have a single clue. I would be like, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I, uh, but the first one you, I, you should get. You okay. should get, uh, unless you were living under a rock, which does happen from time to time, you know, Casey mm -hmm. Musgraves, uh, you know, vice president, uh, you know, ah. uh, I don't want to bring up bad memories. I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> born on November 3rd, 1987 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, our birthday suit wear was an orphan who was adopted by a family who had lost two children to heart defects. At the age of four, our birthday suit wearer's family moved to California, where he took an interest in football. But our, our birthday suit wearer was great at many things. He was a student with a 4.0 grade average. He played basketball, football, and baseball. Coming out of high school, he had the most offers for scholarships for baseball. Hmm. But he wanted to play football, so he signed a scholarship with the University of Nevada, Reno. Uh, his junior year, even though he was the WAC Offensive Player of the Year as quarterback for uh, Nevada, he was still drafted by the Chicago Cubs as a pitcher because of how good he was in baseball. He turned it down, kept playing football. Our birthday suit wearer maintained a 4.0 uh, GPA during college, and after he graduated, he entered the NFL draft. Jeez. He was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers, 45th overall. Our birthday suit wearer started in the 2012 season. Our birthday suit wearer played extremely well under Coach Harbaugh and made it to the Super Bowl in 2014. But in 2015, he lost his starting position to Blaine Gabbert. Uh, leading up to the 2016 season, our birthday suit wearer expressed how upset he was about the police shooting of unarmed black men on social media. It wasn't until the third preseason game that a reporter noticed that our birthday suit wearer was stand uh, wasn't standing for the national anthem. During a post-game report, he explained that he was doing it as a sign of protest. It started discussions and arguments across the country. Our birthday suit wearer never played another down of football, but he has been seen through the lens of political activism ever since. Name that birthday suit wearer. Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick is correct. Yes. Turning the uh, three four. He's. I didn't know he was a baseball. Yeah. Player. Yeah. Yeah. He's Interesting. A, he's one of those guys. There's. There's been. I mean, you know, not a ton of them, but there's some of these guys that are just like annoyingly good at all sports and he's yeah. sort of one of those guys that like even though he hadn't played baseball for like four years a team was like yeah i bet he can still throw we'll draft him <laughs> like they probably do i mean if they looked at me they'd be like he probably can't get it to home base nope. i'm betting he's probably gonna look like 50 cent throwing off the the starting pitch have you seen that pitch where uh, 50 cent Ooh, that was bad yeah. That was Not real good. bad. And I, I hope if I ever get to throw out a, a, a first pitch, it doesn't look like that. 
doesn't. No. It looks like George Bush. George Bush threw a zinger. He was. He did. Yeah, he was like practicing uh, for like that. weeks before because <laughs> uh, he yeah. didn't want to screw up. That's um, how you do it. Interesting thing about Colin Kaepernick uh, that I that I found uh, just uh, while I was writing that his parents have an African spurred tortoise as a pet. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of the biggest tortoises. It's like oh, the second okay. big. It's one of those huge guys. It's like a Galapagos tur- uh, tortoise. Yeah. The and ones he's, that live for like 200 years or something? 70 years. 70, 70 years. This kind. Uh, the Galapagos, yeah, lived to like 200. Yeah. Galapagos, okay. Yeah. Yeah, this, but they've had it since he was uh, he was ten. I'm guessing they still have it since they lived for like seventy years, unless like you know, yeah. died for some other sad reason. <laughs> but I mean, that's such a odd pet. Like that's a fact. Wouldn't you be like just think about going over to like a friend's house and looking out in the backyard and there's just a giant turtle roaming around and you're like, what the? Oh yeah, that's yeah. Harry. That's our tortoise. There he is. Yeah. Like that's sorta it's crazy. That's a weird one. There was anyway. a I my friend I did have a friend and on the way to my friend's house, I actually used to like uh stay the night over there. Mm-hmm. But next to his house there was a uh a house and they had tortoises. They had two no. of them. Nice. They were huge. Did you feed it things? Did you feed it no, like carrots? Just, oh no! I just you, drove by it. Look from I just a distance. Saw that they had yeah. tor- tortoises as. as uh, oh man! When I went to my friend's house, I would have been like, "Dude, we're going to talk to your neighbor, and I'm going to feed that <laughs> thing a carrot. I'm going to go over there and watch it slow motion eat this carrot, and it's going to be <laughs> hilarious." But, anyways, happy birthday to Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Like I said, three four for Colin Kaepernick. Uh, mm. Doing doing all right uh, for the old three four. Um, Mike, are you ready? Rip some headlines? Yeah, let's hear them. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, I'm excited. I get to pull out a segment, a inner segment of Rip from the Headlines that we don't always get to do. Get to pull out reasons not to shoot someone. Mm. Yes. Yes. Don't worry. No one was hurt in the story, guys. No one was hurt. (laughs) Uh, so this particular case comes from a 30-year-old Utah man uh, named Alika Sulifu. Uh, Alika had asked his dad to bring home an order of chicken wings. Hmm. When Alika's dad got home, Alika realized, hey, that's not my flavor of chicken li- wings. So Alika started yelling at his dad, and this, of course... Why not, right? Escalated to the point of Alika getting his gun and shooting at his father. Wait, what? Ooh. Yeah. Now, this is this is a small part of the story, Mike, but I, I, I did want to point it out because it, I just was like, what? In the newspaper article, it says, quote, the father was able to dodge the bullet which traveled <laughs> through the walls of their apartment. I I don't know, Mike. I just don't think that's the correct uh, wording. I think it better would be Alika had bad aim and missed. Because, like, <laughs> unless Alika's dad is Neo from The Matrix, I don't think he's ever like, oh, whoa, hey, yeah, watch out. Oh, geez, that was close. 
Like, yeah. Anyways, the father <laughs> then lunged for the gun, and they had a, quote, tussle, and the father was finally able to snatch the weapon, run out of the apartment, and call the police, and then Aliko was arrested. Um, first off, Mike, I know this may get some blowback uh, towards the show, but I'm going to go ahead and take a hard stance on it right now. Your dad picking the wrong flavor of chicken wings when you're 30 years old and still living at home for no reason? Not a reason to shoot someone. Nope. Mm-hmm. That's it. Don't do it. I just don't think it's I don't think it's proper, Mike. And yeah, I don't uh, think so. Say how did how can you get that mad? Like your dad got you chicken wings and you're a worthless mooch that's still living at home and you're like, ow! These aren't lemon pepper. I hate you. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't seem right. Nope. And last thing to his, to his dad, like, obviously I don't have any kids, Mike, but this is some unsolicited advice for parents out there. If your kid is 30 and still lives at home, the, I, I'm going to say you need to have a strict rule. No weapons. No weapons. Mm-hmm. That's a demographic that just shouldn't be allowed to carry guns. Uh, I'm I'm okay with saying that, Mike. I'm fine okay. with saying it. You know, so just, true. It's I know, I know, I know. Listeners, nobody said this this show was going to be easy. Nope, it's not. Nobody. <laughs> it's going to be a tough one. Uh, this this is an interesting one too, Mike. This is a headline here, and I know sometimes sometimes I'm a little rough on the editors, but like this this one, I feel like it just it screams out. We need to change this. Here's the uh, headline from Axios. Titled, quote, How Shots Will Make It Into Kids' Arms. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to guess a with doctor? a syringe, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. A doctor administering a syringe. That's what... <laughs> like, come on, guys. Better on the title <laughs> creation. I'm just... Just, I mean, it seems a little weak. It seems weak to me. Um, yeah. Mike, we got a couple stories revolving around Halloween since, you know, this is past weekend. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the Kids Corner Toy Shop in Kent, England, they've been getting some blowback for a costume they have for sale. Now, this isn't just like one of those pop-up Halloween stores. This is a year-round. Like, they sell costumes and they sell all kinds of other toys and stuff. Uh, But they had a costume that somebody came across and was like, "Mm, probably not a good one to have. They uh, had a uh, costume of a Gestapo police uniform. Ah, uh, yeah, good. no, no. For folks that don't know, the Gestapo police were the uh, the secret police of Nazi Germany. They they did all the dirty work for the Nazis, which was a lot of stuff, considering the Nazis weren't really known for their clean work. Nope. So you know. They did a lot of horrible things. And not surprisingly, Mike, uh, the Jewish community in Kent, they weren't fans. Uh, They weren't fans at all. But Melvin Smedley, Melvin Smedley (laughs) is the owner of the... See, it's a weird name, right? Such a British name. (laughs) Melvin Smedley. Hmm. Cheerio. (laughs) He was the owner of the store. He's the owner of uh, Kids Corner. And he decided he, he decided, but he's going to put his foot down. He said, uh, "He said, quote, I've had this product for a number of years, but uh, because of lockdown, I've not been able to sell it. 
I can't afford at this moment in time to just bury it because every penny counts after lockdown. Hmm. 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 Mr. Smedley, I'm no businessman. I'm just a simple man on the radio. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say the hit you take from being Kent's number one seller of Nazi costumes is going to be worse than just taking it off the shelf. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. I mean, just... This, I mean, I can get an economics and marketing professor if we need to, but I'm pretty sure about this. I'm pretty sure folks will be like, maybe don't go to Kids Corner because they sell Nazi clothes. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But then Mr. Smanley also added, he said, when we first started stocking the costume, quote, the world was a different place. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mr. Smedley, did you perhaps start stocking this costume in 1930? Because otherwise, not going to be acceptable. Nope. Not going to be able to take it any time after that. But then okay. he added the last thing. There will be... Oh, no. I got two more things. I lied. Uh, there will be someone out there that would say they need this outfit from a historical point of view. For example, a school talking about the Holocaust. Hmm. Yeah. If that's the case, Mr. Smedley, you might want to just save that teacher some time and tell that teacher they're going to be fired. Uh, <laughs> just just go ahead and save some time there. Go ahead and cut out the middleman. But uh, <laughs> lastly, Mr. Smedley said, I understand it might be upsetting, but where do you draw the line? Because somebody, somewhere, will always be offended. Hmm. Um, Nazis, Mr. Smedley. Yeah. That's the line. It's yeah. Hard line. Pretty much always mm -hmm. the line, really. There are some other lines, but that's pretty much the hard line since 1939. Nazis. Mm -hmm. That's the one. Uh, anyways, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll try to update you. I will try to follow up, Mike. I'll let you know how their uh, business at uh, the Kids Corner goes. Um, <laughs> it'd be so funny if you actually got an like an economics professor to break it down. Yeah, yeah. no, I don't think the sale would hurt the business at all. <laughs> I don't know if any uh, if any economics professor wants to demean themselves by coming on our show, but I can try. <laughs> I can definitely reach out. I'm, I'm putting it down. I'm writing it right now in red ink. Here we go. Economics professor. Uh, okay, Mike, moving on to other horrible social decisions. A house in Ocean County, New Jersey has been getting a lot of uh, blowback from their neighbors because it has been decorated with multiple Confederate flags. In addition, they have what seems to be a ghost, but the ghost is outfitted with a KKK uh, <laughs> Klansman uniform. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. The New York NBC News team tried to talk to the person that was living at the house about the decorations, uh, but before they could even get close to the house, a man came out and yelled at them, No! Get the f*** out! Hmm. Now, wow. you're going to find this flabbergasting, but the man that yelled this was an old fat white man. What? What? <laughs> Who? Oh, curveball! <laughs> what? Who saw that coming? Jeez. But uh, I mean, regardless, though, you got to give it to him, Mike. Nothing says the heart of Confederacy like New Jersey. Am I right? 
Am I right? <laughs> think we all remember in history class when the New Jersey state succeeded from the federal government, right? Hmm? Classic Civil War of North versus South plus New Jersey. Wait, what? Nah? <laughs> nah? I mean, New Jersey. It's known for Bruce Springsteen, first state to sign the Bill of Rights, Atlantic City, and being an avid member of the Confederacy. Ooh. I think we all remember all of those things. Am I right? Like, what is, what is this guy's deal? What, what, is, what is wrong with what is wrong with people, Mike? What is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's not a good way to uh, not, do Halloween. Not a good way to go through life. No. <laughs> um, Mike, that last story might have you saying, wow, New Jersey, weird folks. Weird folks. But don't worry. Nobody's taking the title away from Florida. Nope. Nobody's doing it. Uh, this past week, Flagler County police were driving down the road when they pulled over 65-year-old Lewis Branson. Hmm. Lewis, uh, they originally pulled him over because he had expired tags on his truck. Not a not a good not a good way to drive, listeners. Trust me, that's no. a that's a zero in on you when you got those. Uh, when mm -hmm. they asked for his license. And he gave it to him. They realized that it expired two years ago. Huh? So, expired tags, expired license. So, of course, where do they go next? They start searching his truck. They search his truck, and in a toolbox, they literally have the police camera footage from this. They have the footage from this. One of the police is searching the toolbox, and the officer's like, Oh, crap, is this real? And it's a live grenade in Ooh. the toolbox. And the officers mm. ask, they're like, is this, is this real? And Lewis is like, eh, I don't know. Wait, what? I found it like three or four years ago when I was cleaning out a veteran's house. I thought it was pretty cool, so I kept it. Um, mm. The police officers did determine it was real. They had to de detonate it at a testing facility, facility later. Um... Just, just, uh, just some general advice for folks out there. If you've got expired tags, try not to have multiple illegal items in your car. So true. It's mm -hmm. it's a good idea because along with the uh, grenade, he also had cocaine and uh, um, uh, marijuana. So um, you know, <laughs> if if you're gonna have a expired tag that's sort of like a red flag you might not want to have illegal things behind it second tip uh-huh if you find what seems to be a cool explosive device maybe try to find out whether it can kill you or not you know mm -hmm. just yeah just just an idea third tip of advice if you ignore the second tip of advice maybe don't keep the explosive device a foot from your head in your truck mm-hmm <laughs> yeah that would not good. Like, why, 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 why would you keep it in your truck? Like, I gotta keep it in my truck. You never know when I might have to throw it and blow up a bridge. Don't have to. Gotta have. <laughs> gotta have a hand, hand thrown explode. Like what? Anyways, yeah. but like, I, I always like when I think about this. This story is like one of those things that I would point to when people are concerned that the government has too much control or power, power, you know, in people's lives. I mean, think about it. This dude drove around Florida constantly with expired tags. 
He drove and license. Yeah, expired tags, expired license for years <laughs> with a military explosive device and two drugs, and nobody gave it for three years. Nope. Like it's the government equivalency of a substitute teacher turning on a movie and looking at their phone for the rest of the day. Like, no, eh, whatever. <laughs> Go for it. Like, just insane. Insane, Mike. Anyways, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest. This is from that class of 98 right here. This is Cooler Than You right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. You just heard Eric Hutchinson off of his most recent album, uh, Class of 98. That was cooler than you right here on the Doc G Show. Mike? Hmm. Mike? Yes. Yes. I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> Mike fell asleep. Okay, guys, it's okay. Um, so true. Mike, we need to let the listeners know they need to download and subscribe to the show. That's what they need yes. to do. Yes, please they do. Need, they need to do that. They will enjoy all kinds of great stuff. Now, Mike, uh, get excited because we have something that's in the works uh, that is a tradition here on the Doc G Show, and that would be... The Thanksgiving Day special. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, it's a big deal, Mike. We've had some great folks come on the show for the Thanksgiving Day special. Keb Mo yes! was a Thanksgiving Day special guest. Moon Taxi yes! was a Thanksgiving special. Actually, last year, Mike, the Thanksgiving special was also our 200th episode. Wow. So true. Yeah, it was a big deal. I told Tommy Putnam from Moon Taxi, uh, he better get excited. He wasn't, (laughs) but he still came on the show, and we thank him for that. But I'm working on, I want to make this year special. I'm I'm working on a guest. I'm very excited about some guests. I'm guessing my first, like, three or four ideas will probably fall through, and they'll say, no, we don't want to be on your show. But I'm Mm -hmm. hoping by the fifth or sixth one, we'll get it. It's going to be fantastic. Okay. So, listeners, you want to prepare yourself for that Thanksgiving Day special by subscribing now. So, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, you can just load it up and be like, oh, man, I feel I feel the magic. I feel yes! the cranberry sauce. What? I feel <laughs> the stuffing. By the way, Mike, I'm not a huge fan of actual Thanksgiving food. Uh, but really? It's, yeah, yeah, it's not for me. It's okay. uh, you know, it's it's all it's, of it. None of it is for you. You don't like yeah. any of it. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm a human disposal when it comes to food. I'll eat it mm-hmm. all. I right. will take everything that's there. I just have many other types of food that would be above it on my list of things. If you gave me a choice, number mm. one would be Italian soul food. As all the listeners know, I've described what Italian soul food is. That's what it would be. Those deep okay. dish, cheesy, pasta-filled uh, dinners. And that's what I had last year for Thanksgiving because of the pandemic and we couldn't actually go do the whole family thing. I mm-hmm. got real deal Italian soul food. And it was nice. amazing. <laughs> Anyways, listeners, that's coming up at the end of the month. So get excited. We are going to give the shout-outs to the regulars. Here we go. Shout-out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Gainesville, Florida, Radford, Virginia, San Diego, California, Frankfurt, Germany, Ashburn, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Peoria, Illinois, Genoa, Italy, Katy, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Mobile, Alabama, Dublin, Ireland, Noka, Minnesota, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Boardman, Oregon, Citrus Heights, California, Richardson, Texas, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Winfield, West Virginia. There we go. Regulars. Regulars. Just great places all around this great wide world, Mike. Great wild. <laughs> very world. true. Very true. I'm uh, I'm excited about Frankfurt, Germany. They came on a couple of weeks ago. They become regulars. That makes me happy. I always get very excited about international listeners. They make mm-hmm. me happy. I mean, just think about what that takes, Mike. 
Just think about the random person cruising around on all the podcasts in the world, and they stop at one with a weird-looking homeless guy with headphones on, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, let's give it a shot. And they became yeah. regular listeners. Just think. That's just... Thank you. Thank you to all yeah. those international listeners. That's awesome. Thank you. That is awesome. Uh, semi-regulars. Here we go. Shout out to Frisco, Texas, Leesville, South Carolina, Attleboro, Massachusetts, New York, New York, Rome, Italy, New Orleans, Louisiana, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Lafayette, Louisiana, Readings, Pennsylvania, Oil Spring, Kentucky, Stein, Netherlands, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Moscow, Russia, Lomas del Mirador, Argentina, Columbia, mm. Missouri. Yes. Shout out. Yes. Nice. Got you with that Lomas del Miramor, huh? Mm? Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. I did <laughs> probably did a horrible job pronouncing it. The people in Argentina sounded, are like sounded legit. Sounded yeah, very legit. Yeah. I tried th that was to sell the people that don't actually speak Spanish. They're like <laughs> that's what he's talking about right there. It's impressive. Nice. Um, okay, Mike. It's time for what is becoming a very regular thing and one of our favorite things to do previously on the doc g show okay previously on the doc g show mike i gave you the story about the dude in seattle stealing lego sets mm -hmm. it was titled operation mandel retail theft <laughs> apparently it was because one of the lego sets this the guy stole was baby yoda from the mandalorian ah yeah yeah and not only that, Mike, but we talked about this before the Colbert show did. And that's where I actually heard that from was Colbert. Mm. And I was like, oh, researchers did a better job than me. Now I feel like a loser. Although it was a couple days after we talked about it. So, I mean, they had more time to look into it. Yeah. Very Just true. Saying. Very true. Just saying. Uh, next thing I need to follow up on, Mike, uh, when I was going back over the show to make the podcast, uh, I realized that um, John Adams was left out of my favorite president. Girl, come on. And I was pretty upset about that. I gave you LBJ. I gave you uh, um, Ulysses S. Grant, which were my dark mm -hmm. horses. But I didn't mention John Adams. Lame. Uh, I, I, and I feel, I feel like that was a big mistake on my part. Because this dude, I love this dude. He was a straight shooter. He was an original mass hole in the best way possible. Yes! Like, he was from Massachusetts, and he told it to you like it was supposed to be. Let me just give you a couple things about John Adams. First, please. Please do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> First of all, he defended the British soldiers after the Boston Massacre in court. Not because he was on England's side, but because he believed everyone deserved a defense. A fair, honest representation in court, regardless of who you are, what you did. Yeah. 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 That's how much he believed in a pure uh, a pure judicial system. It's pretty awesome when you think about it. Yeah. And he won that case. That's how good he was as a lawyer. Pretty impressive. Um, second, when a fire was burning down, uh, the home of writer and publisher Andrew Brown who constantly wrote bad things about how horrible John Adams was as a vice president and what a horrible president he was going to be. John Adams was seen as one of the first people carrying buckets of water trying to put out the fire. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Wow. 
Yeah, even though he hated him, he was like, I'm not going to let this guy's house burn down. It's not going to happen. That's that's <laughs> that, that's that's what I'm saying. A true straight shooter right there. Third, but he's like inside. He's like inside the house. It's like all burning down. But then he sees this like area where he like clearly writes all of his stuff. He's like, I'm not gonna touch that. <laughs> that's gonna. Uh, well, we'll, we'll save the rest of the house. Uh, kitchen, water everywhere else. <laughs> kitchen's important. We'll get that one. Um, third, very importantly, very important. Only founding father who didn't own slaves. He detested slavery. Wrote it all the time. Did not like it. Only, only founding father. I don't think it's sold enough about how he was not a fan of slaves. And a lot of people always bring that up about Alexander Hamilton because of the great, oh, look at the great play deal Hamilton. Yeah, you know what? Dude owned slaves. Yeah, he tried to get rid of them later, but he owned slaves. John Adams never owned a slave ever. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth... He wrote the Constitution of Massachusetts, so true. which was one of the constitutions referred to when creating the U.S. Constitution, because he wrote it before the U.S. Constitution in 1780. That's right. That's right. John Adams, everybody. John Adams. Wow. One of my faves. He's the man. One He's of my man. faves. He, he was, he, and that's why I called him a mass hole. He, 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 he rubbed people the wrong way because he was brash. But, like I said, straight shooter. Super yeah. straight shooter. Um, Mike, other thing here in the follow-ups. I told you I'm in a fantasy basketball league with none other than Claude Fly Till I Die Lathan. Uh, <laughs> I'm currently 11th out of 14th in this league. Just an update. Uh. Yeah, yeah. But this week, I am winning right now my matchup against uh, ninth place. Yeah. Yeah. Who are what are you playing with and what are they playing with or how does that work? I have absolutely no idea, Mike. Okay. No, I I so there's a draft, <laughs> right? You you draft players, all the players in right. the NBA and you go off of their stats. And you can switch, okay. you know, the people in and out. You can have these like bench players, you can trade people. I literally haven't done a single thing since the draft. Nope. I'm just okay. letting it ride because I have no idea what's going on. So, you know. Anyways, it's going well. I'm beating three people That's right good. now. So there you That's go. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh Mike, this wasn't really from the last show, but I felt like I needed to put it in here. Um our fantastic station manager, Sydney, was in Atlanta this past weekend in Midtown. Uh, some of my favorite spots in Midtown in Atlanta. Georgia Tech, Fox Theater, Mary Max Tea Room, Cheetah Lounge, mm -hmm. The Vortex, Piedmont Park. All the great places. Anywho, she was in Midtown, and someone had thrown up a Doc G sticker on a light pole, and she sent it to me. That's right. What? She sent me a picture of it. Yeah. Yeah. In Midtown. Give it up. Give it up. Shout out to Sydney and shout out to Midtown and Atlanta. Shout out. Love them both. Love them yeah. both. Yeah. AT Aliens. Right? Love them. Love, Love Atlanta. Favorite favorite Outcast album right there, AT Aliens. Yeah. It's an awesome one. Uh, also, last week, we uh, we talked in pretty good detail about Pops Po' Boys in Lafayette, Louisiana. Mm, yeah. Yeah. After I made a post about them with old Mark Broussard there on Instagram, they followed us. Sweet. Yeah. So, of course, Mike, I followed them back. Uh, <laughs> and basically what I'm saying, Mike, is we are one step closer to being sponsored by the most delicious Louisiana sandwiches that have ever graced this earth. That's right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I am saying, and I am excited about it. Now. Yeah. 
On the other hand, I made a post about Muddy Bites. They did not comment, like, or anything. And I'm a little offended what? by it. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't share the post? No. They didn't uh, share it. They didn't like it. They didn't follow. They didn't mention. I'm a little upset. Girl, come on. Maybe I'm they're a, just having an off day on the social media. I think they're pretty good at reposting I think, everything. I think they think they're too good. That's what I think. Yeah. I think they're too good. It. And you know what? I'm not going to... I'm. I'm not going to fault them because it is delicious, but you know what? I'm not following you, Muddy Bites. I may eat your product, but I'm not following you guys. <laughs> okay? That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay. Mike, uh, let's see here. Uh, I'll give you the choice. Uh, we got a couple stories uh, that I'll, I'll give us give us one since we got left over. Do you want to hear about the DUI or not answering the phone? Hmm. Hmm. DUI. Okay. All right. Uh, so, uh, obviously, we had our great story about uh, the Florida man making great decisions. Well, mm -hmm. there was a man in Gillette, Wyoming, who was making his own great decisions out there on the road. Uh, he was pulled over by Campbell County Police. He was initially pulled over because he wanted he was wanted for questioning in a report uh, regarding domestic dispute. So, police were looking for this dude because... He had been in a domestic dispute. When the cops pulled up to the man's truck on the highway, he was swerving in and out of the lines. Not a good look. Not mm. a good look when a cop is behind you. Uh, when they pulled him over, the man's 4-year-old and 15-year-old were in the truck with him. They uh, asked him if he had been drinking, and he said no. They then asked him to step out and do a field sobriety test or a breathalyzer test, and he said no. Mm. Uh, he then told police, you know what? The reason uh, I've been swerving was that the four-year-old, he'd been sitting on my lap, and he was uh, grabbing the wheel and making the car swerve. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Uh, that didn't work, Mike, not too surprisingly. Uh, the police arrested him <laughs> on suspicion of driving under the influence and violating probation. But uh, i got to say, Mike, nothing says good alibi like covering the first offense with another offense. So true. I, yeah. <laughs> I just, like... <laughs> How how what what is your mindset when you're like oh you know what I couldn't have been illegally driving drunk because I had my son illegally setting in the car yeah. illegally driving come on mm -hmm. like now let us go we have more crimes to commit like that's <laughs> not also nothing says real fatherhood like trying to get out of jam by blaming everything on your four year old son right yeah right taking that responsibility. You know you know, I would have done the same thing probably. I would have really tried <laughs> to change the subject in terms of what the actual reasoning, you know. I would have, I would have. What's the word I'm trying to use here? What's the word I'm looking for? Evaded, evaded, Are like de, not defuse, but de-escalated, de de deferred. Okay, deferred, deferred the responsibility to your four-year-old. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Look like, at this guy. Some, yeah. Look at this shaggy four-year-old. It's all his fault over here. Yeah. God. Look at the chocolate on his face. You know he's been doing something. Uh, <laughs> not good at all. Anyways, uh, Mike, uh, I'm going to hold. I didn't forget, listeners. I'm going to hold the last two birthday suits until after our interview with Mr. Eric Hutchinson, which is coming up right now. Keep it locked here on the Doc G Show.
what's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And this Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show. From 803 to 904. The best show on the radio. You dig? This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we have a fantastic guest, an extremely talented singer and songwriter, Mr. Eric Hutchinson. Eric, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me today. For sure, for sure. Now, um, you just had, I noticed just this past weekend, you did the uh, Uncork Tour live streaming event, and you did some guitar, you did some keyboard, you had some stories. I watched a good amount of it there on Instagram. Now, I've heard you say back in some you know older interviews, pre-pandemic, that you weren't the uh, biggest fan of of online shows. I'm, I'm guessing they've grown on you over the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that version was sort of a way to, to do a little bit of a hybrid mix. Cause I, I had done about uh, 12 solo acoustic shows that I, I call the uncorked shows. Yeah. And, uh, and this was a way to, to take the music to some people that couldn't, couldn't make it out to the show. So we did an online version and, and yeah, you know, I still prefer being in person, but, there are some cool aspects you know we had people from all over the world watching the show the other night online and, and uh, there's something really cool about getting to connect a bunch of different people together yeah. and, and you know just like any kind of performing it just took a while for me to start to understand the best way to to make it work and and how how it's different than the the regular live show for me for sure now i but it's a weird time you know we're, we're doing shows online and everything's moved online yeah yeah, now, now I I think I see a little bit of interaction with you. Do you try to interact with the audience when you're doing those live shows, or do you try to refrain from it since there's a bit of like a delay usually? Uh, when I'm doing the live stream stuff, I'll try to read people's comments and try to you know say hi. You know, it always feels good to to get a shout out and those oh, yeah. things, and and also just to, when you're in a big group like that, you don't know if you're being noticed. So it's nice to have the <laughs> the person who's leading the event yeah. recognize that you are there. So I try to, I try to shout out as many people as possible and thank them for being there. And, but, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the same as, as doing a live show for me in person, because it's just a different kind of thing. It's harder to time, time the jokes and time to, you know, it's just a different kind of beast, but oh, for sure. Um, it certainly got me through 2020 and, and it's been a big part of my 2021 as well. And, and, uh, you know, I think it doesn't seem like the virtual experience is going anywhere anytime soon. No, no. I do like the one thing I like the online votes. I think that's that's a cool aspect that you don't get in live. Like I mean you couldn't take a tally of the whole room really quick if you're doing a live show like Yeah, but actually that was something that I got a nice thing from doing the live show. I mean from the from the live streaming stuff that I did I put into my live in person mm. show was we had a, a QR code when you walked into my live shows and you could vote for some of the songs that you wanted to hear that night. And then uh, I put those into the set list right before I went on stage. So Very that was cool. actually a cool thing that I learned yeah. from the online world that 
that uh, was nice. Very nice. Yeah. So you had you had shows all the way up and down those those live shows up and down the East Coast, Boston, uh, Nashville, Charleston. Saw the one in Charleston there at Tin Roof. Looked really really cool. Uh, how did the shows go overall? I mean, coming back to live shows. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little different, and it's just still. I think everybody's still figuring out how it feels out there and i think there's some people who aren't quite ready to go out or there's some people who want to you know wear the masks and mm -hmm. and uh i just hadn't been traveling in a bit myself after being a person that was just constantly on the road so it was interesting to sort of dip my toe back into it all but in general it was it was great you know it was, it was great to be singing songs and connecting with people and and getting to do what i do and you know i think part of it for me is as we do get more and more digital and I like having an excuse to get fully dressed and, and to uh, go out and, and be around other people and experience something with my actual senses. So I, I like being an excuse to do that for other people. And um, it just felt good to be up there singing my songs and, and uh, you know, giving people a night out of the house and, and taking their mind off stuff. For sure. For sure. Well, I mean, you mentioned you've got a ton of experience on the road. And I saw back in 2017... You achieved the goal, hitting all 50 states. Um, yes, that's true. And uh, I was wondering, after after seeing all 50, do you think there were, do you feel any states are underappreciated? Or maybe there's one out there that you're like, that's a little too hyped. I didn't see what they were talking about. <laughs> um, I mean, I like to say you could do a good show anywhere and a bad show anywhere, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of always keeping, keeping me on my toes, but... Uh, the process of, of you know, I've been touring for 20 something years and I realized, oh, I'm just I'm missing a few states and I don't know if I'm going to get there unless you I go there it. on purpose. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, we, we designed it so that we I went and played the last five states I'd never played before, which was uh, Hawaii, Alaska, Wyoming, um, North Dakota, South Dakota. Mm. And uh, it was cool. It actually made me feel very patriotic towards america and, and um it's just amazing to see how much of america can be totally different and how diverse we are as as a country and how diverse the landscape is and you know the difference being in alaska and being like wow this is part of america but then also being in hawaii and feeling this is part of america it felt really cool so it was it was a nice way to kind of uh see the see the country but yeah, I don't know. There's lots of great states out there. I think everyone's got their stuff. And, and I've been trying, especially lately, to really try and take advantage of the outdoor things to do when I'm there. You know, everyone's every state's got amazing state parks and and interesting things to see, you know. So, oh, like, sure. that's the kind of stuff that I... And, and the food is always, to me, you know, the food's... Uh, yeah. I get up in the morning so I can eat breakfast and <laughs> lunch and dinner. The rest yeah. of the stuff's just in between meals. Yeah, you, you sound exactly like my dad. That's that's everything. <laughs> in in his in his day, it's what are we? You can you can expect a comment around like one p.m. Boys, what are we doing for dinner? Any ideas? Yeah. Any any thoughts? Yeah, usually I'm, I'm usually talking about dinner while we're finishing lunch. Yeah, you got to got to plan ahead. It's it's a it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yes. Uh, well, have you thought? Have you thought maybe maybe if the pandemic clears up enough, territories next? Hmm. Guam, Puerto Rico, knock those off the list? That would be very cool. I would love to. I mean, that's one of my... Whenever the music gets to take me places I've never been before is always a, is a really big thrill and a, and a real privilege. And, and it's, it's uh, you know, I've gotten to go over and 
perform um, for for some troops over at different uh, U.S. bases mm-hmm. abroad, and and I've been able to go to Australia and Europe, and so. Yeah, I would love to go anywhere. If there's, if there's people that would be interested in, in hearing the music, I would love to go play. All right. You Puerto heard, Rico and yeah. Guam. Let's do the Guam tour. I was about to say, you heard it, Guam. Guam listeners <laughs> out there, you need to you need to make your voice heard for a for an Eric Hutchinson show there. Yes! Well, speaking of the music, the recent shows that you had were, you know, uh, directly related there to the newest release, Before and Afterlife, which actually isn't, if I'm understanding it right, the most recent album you wrote, because you wrote it back in 2018, uh, and it was sort of a a life and, and, and death album based off of what was going on in your life, one of the big things, your daughter being born. Uh, what caused the holdup of the album, though? Yeah, and good good sleuthing there. It's a little confusing. <laughs> I released the my most recent album that I made I released before this that one's called class of 98 but yeah um i don't know i made this album before and after life and it just didn't feel like it was the right time to i shared it with my uh my online fans i've got a, a thing called the e hutch club that i run through patreon where it's sort of for exclusive it's almost like a, a disney plus or something yeah. it's eric hutchinson plus you know and um I shared it with them, and and uh, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was the right time. And then I kept coming back to it, being like, you know what? I am really proud of this music, and and uh, it felt like some growth for me in, in the way I was writing it, and also the way we were recording it. So it was something I decided I do really, you know, I wanted to share with everybody that I could. So we we released it on streaming platforms and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's sort of an album about circle of life i had lost some people in my life and and then i found out my wife was having a baby and and i was just feeling inspired about sort of the circle of life and and i made the album in in new york where i live and with the um some musicians that primarily play jazz music and so it was a little bit of a different vibe for me and and i was a bit intimidated because they were you know classically trained yeah musicians and i'm kind of just to make it up as i go along kind of guy and and um so it was an interesting process but i'm really i was really proud of it and and honored that these these people chose to do it with me yeah yeah well your your daughter's uh she's a little older than three now uh that's right yeah have you got any feedback from her on how she feels regarding the album is she she you know again uh she knows a few of the songs she can rec you know i mean she kind of thinks everybody who's singing on the radio is me but um <laughs> you know i'm I'm sort of prepared that she'll maybe never be interested in the music you know or that i'll never be that cool to her so uh hopefully one day she can she can listen to it and, and we can talk about it but uh you know i, I think in the end I, I made it i made it as a time capsule really but uh yeah so we'll see but yeah she likes she likes a lot of music so i'm, I'm trying not to put too much pressure on what what she likes as she, as she has she shown any i mean shows interest in listening has she tried to pick up anything and actually play along obviously that'd be real young at three but yeah a little bit you know she definitely likes singing and uh i'm a big believer that any you know everybody can sing and and that music is universal and i think we put a lot of importance in in our culture on just oh you have to be good at something to do it but you know, I think there's a lot of ways of being good at it, and and uh, so I'm I'm mainly just trying to encourage her to enjoy it. Nice, nice. Well, now I, I've heard you talk. You know, I've heard you talk about your family and music. Sort of runs in the family. Your grandma was uh, just a bad 
viola player there. She played with yeah huge names, Smokey Robinson, Ray Charles, uh, when they came through town. Uh, was that like a well-established thing in the family? I sort of wonder, just like... If it was one of those things, because I feel like sometimes in families, like things like that are passed over, and then you don't realize how big of a deal it is until later, and you know she'll yeah. bring it up and be like, "Oh yeah, Smokey Robinson." You're like, "Wait, wait, hold on a second. I know that's important now." That you know, <laughs> was it one of those, or was it just sort of understood from a young age? Yeah, it was. It was certainly, I think, more of the I figured it out later. My my grandmother, yeah, was a professional viola player and her main gig when i was growing up was she did like uh string quartets and stuff for weddings and and things and and uh but yeah she would get hired when artists would come through town instead of bringing a whole orchestra with them they they hire a different orchestra in every city so yeah like you said Smokey robinson tony bennett john denver aretha franklin all these people but i was too young to really appreciate that she was doing that and and as i got older i started really noticing it and, and talking to her about it but you know the funny thing is that when i was like first really starting to want to be a musician professionally she was the most vocal about me not doing it mm. she, she kind of was i think trying to protect me from the from the grind of being a musician um, yeah and eventually once things started going started picking up for me she was she was a big supporter but uh you know especially in the beginning she was always trying to slide me other job ideas and uh <laughs> you know yeah it's computer engineering if you ever thought about yeah that, pretty much pretty much <laughs> well i mean on that sort of uh parenting tip uh i mean obviously it's been different for you for the last three years how's how's the change been the bound i mean obviously it's came with this weird pandemic we're also all dealing with but yeah you've been a dad for the last three years mixing that with the music has that been odd yeah for sure and, and like you said the pandemic certainly changed it all again but you know when my daughter was first born we brought her on the tour bus when she was just three months old mm. for a bit and she, she she was doing a ton of traveling with us we were trying my wife and i were trying really hard to get her used to just you know being on planes and doing stuff. And then obviously that stopped more in the pandemic, but we're kind of getting back up and running again. But, you know, it's cliched, but the having having a family and a, and a daughter and, and being a dad has, has definitely changed my priorities. And I don't want or need to be away on the road as much. And I just, you know, I like being a part of the day-to-day. -day. Yeah living that dad life you know but um you know i think it's changed how i work where i just have you know you have to be uh when i, when I have any moment at all to myself i've got to <laughs> seize it and try to be productive and and um so i think that part is has definitely changed some but in, in general you know i think it's made me more appreciative of what i get to do and uh i hope i hope that you know my daughter will be able to get to see me do it a little bit and you know, like i said I, i'm kind of prepared she, that she's not going to think i'm all that cool ever but uh <laughs> maybe she'll think it's kind of cool that's my that's my current like dad dream is i want to like slide a little bit older bring her on the bring her on the tour bus you know do a little tour summer camp kind of thing she so. she might not be embarrassed to tell her friends what you right do. exactly nice yeah 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 well i mean i've talked to a couple of artists that actually became parents during the pandemic or at least really you know 
close to around it and just, you know, when they look back on it, they'd be like, man, it would have been completely different if that pandemic wouldn't have hit because I would have missed like all these two years or year that, you know, I was around them growing up in this critical you know, huge right. changes at the beginning of their life. Yeah, definitely. Do you have Do you have kids? Do not. Do not. Okay. No, no. I uh, mm, I'm far away from that right now. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Good. <laughs> well, you're probably sleeping well. Exactly. And, uh, doing fun things. I'm. Yeah, I don't. Oh, man, I am so bad with responsibility. It's tough for me to keep up <laughs> with a calendar. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about a kid. I mean, spe- well, speaking of your your daughter, though, I I couldn't help and notice her name is Zelda. I'm I'm going yes. to guess you had to get that from the Nintendo game. I don't really know where else you'd get that. Uh, are are you a fan of the game? Uh, yeah, you know, it certainly it was certainly partially from the Nintendo game. I was a kid of the Nintendo era growing up and stuff. It was also sort of a, an older Art Deco name. And uh, I don't know, my wife and I just sort of saw it around. And, mm-hmm. and I like a Z name. So it was, uh, it just kind of stuck and it worked for us. And, nice. and uh, yeah, definitely some, some people get the uh, <laughs> Nintendo reference. It's just too big. If you grew up somewhere in the 80s and 90s, it's, come on. That's, yeah, it's got to sure. be there. Now, going back to the music, you mentioned Before and After Life real jazzy album you got those professional jazz musicians uh and that's that's sort of a 180 from the album that you most recently wrote class of 98 which paid sort of homage to the songs of your of your youth of those 90 songs uh the 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 rock songs of the 90s what put you in the mood for that album yeah um, and I, I would agree, it's kind of is a 180. I think, uh, you know, I think it was a little bit different for some of my listeners, but um, I love all kinds of music. And I grew up listening to a lot of different kinds of music. And, and it's always interesting to me to see how much of that I can incorporate into my own songs. And uh, I, I, I just always thought it'd be fun to write a bunch of songs in the style of kind of the alternative 90s stuff that I grew up loving, you know, kind of Weezer and the lemon heads and uh just kind of alternative stuff that yeah. that i really liked and uh i started writing some ideas down and, and then it, when i was thinking about it though it really took me back to being in high school which is what i was when that music was out and, and so it sort of ended up becoming an album all about kind of my high school days and i was starting to play guitar in high school and i realized after i finished the album that this this was probably the album i would have made when i was 16 if i had the ability and the and the money and and uh know what i was doing at all so it was (laughs) in some ways i think it was a delayed album that took a long time to to come out of me but um it was a lot of fun to to kind of study that music again and, and see you know what made it what made the alternative stuff sound like that and, and then to try to recreate it and, and make it my own too so yeah i'm really you know it was, it was a fun record to make and and uh well, i think it's got some cool stuff on it for sure well you you mentioned i mean it uh liking all kinds of different music how how did the fans how did the e hutchinson fans there respond to class of 98 because it it obviously has you know, a harder edge, you could say, more, you know, more distortion, more guitars. Um, you know, I never know what people think of the stuff. I mean, people seem to like it, and uh, 
I did put out kind of an unplugged version as well. So if you if you're scared of the distortion, there's some versions <laughs> with uh, just acoustic guitars. And but um, I you know I think people seem to relate to it. One of the cool things I got to do with it was I I brought it to my old high school mm. and I actually did an interview with some of the students that were there now who worked for the newspaper and they weren't even alive when I was in high school. Yeah. But we sort of talked about, you know, what sounds, what's the same about high school now and then and what's changed. And so that was kind of interesting to get the, but in general, they said, you know, the, the high school experience kind of sounds similar. Like it's still the same, you know, you're kind of isolated. You're kind of figuring out who you are. And well, there's definitely, I realized, yeah. th there's definitely a overlap too of uh, the high school classes now loving 90s influences. Yeah. Uh, mm. You know, I I can't I can't go a day without seeing somebody over the age of twenty with a without a Nirvana shirt. I mean, yes, right, Nirvana's <laughs> everywhere. There, there, and I mean, and and you know, hip hop influences of the same. You know, Tupac, Biggie. You can't go yeah. without seeing them. And Sublime, Sublime's huge. You see that all the time. I think it's one of those things too, though, a little bit because they just have cool graphics on a lot of the shirts definitely so. doesn't help doesn't hurt doesn't yeah. hurt but yeah i was a huge sublime fan in uh, high school as well and, and i think a lot of their music has already ended up mm -hmm. in my songs in one way or another oh for sure for sure now uh big question have you seen any of your uh e hutchinson fans there tattoo the lyrics of class of 98 yet because i saw that um, happen on the modern happiness yeah i don't know i'm not sure if class of 98 has had any tattoos but yeah there's certainly some people that that do that i kind of feel like that's the ultimate uh praise if somebody's willing to you know tattoo yeah. me on them so I, I always say if you if you get a tattoo with my lyrics i will post about you <laughs> i will share it on my social media that is my tiny thank you but um yeah i don't have any tattoos so it's kind of always wild to me when anybody wants to get anything and that if it happens to also be my lyrics or something or my you know that's like yeah it's far out so uh i i appreciate it and it's uh it's funny stuff but you yeah. know i do take a lot of time getting my figuring my lyrics out so it's a uh, i i'm very honored by it all definitely yeah well now I heard on Class of 98, and I heard you mention this a couple times in the in the great podcast that you have describing the album, um, that Weezer Blue Album, that was the, that was sort of the North Star, that was the center, like, okay, you coming back to it every single time when you were thinking about sort of uh, direction of the album and sound of the album, uh, was, was that... Was that the favorite album of that time period? Or was that what you were feeling when you started this album? Or was it just both? Uh, I definitely loved it back then, and I have very strong memories of hearing it. And I think when I first started the project, I said, oh, okay, I'm going to you know, I'm gonna do a 90s album. I'm going to do Pearl Jam and Nirvana. But then when I, if I was honest with myself, those weren't really the bands that truly spoke to me back mm. then. You know, I, I don't know if I was angsty enough for that or... <laughs> I was more of a dork, I guess, which is where the Weezer stuff came in. And, and uh, I just, I always loved how Weezer kind of blended the acoustic guitar and the electric. And uh, that was just, I felt like when I started writing my songs, it was just closer to what my kind of thing was. So, yeah. you know, and some people I'll see on the comments, like in YouTube or something, people will be like, oh, you ripped off Weezer. And I'm like, <laughs> it's supposed to sound like Weezer, guys. Like, <laughs> the idea. But, um, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, I love Rivers Cuomo and his his writing and, and that uh, to me, the Blue Album and Pinkerton, the next one. Oh, and, yeah. And, uh, a lot of that stuff. It's just really clean and, and but also really crisp 
songwriting and stuff so oh for sure for sure now i mean you you mentioned it there there are plenty of music and you like different music genres and i noticed in the 90s there uh on the e hutch uh mixtape you had 90s New York hip-hop at one point in time. You put a playlist of yeah. the New York hip-hop on there. How, how how big of a role did hip-hop play in your high school days? Oh, huge. I mean, I could have made a whole separate Class of 98 album that was all hip-hop. <laughs> I, I was in a, a hip-hop group when I was younger, nice. but um, I decided to do more of the alternative side of things. But, I mean, just as much as I was listening to Weezer and, and Pearl Jam or whatever, I was listening to a ton of Boys to Men and and uh the far side and tribe called quest and and um i mean i i think people who know me consider me a, a bit of a, a music connoisseur but especially a 90s music connoisseur because mm-hmm. i just absorbed it all and read about it all and and yeah. uh i love 90s r&b and and hip-hop and you know it's just kind of a formulative time in my life so For sure. maybe maybe one day i'll make the the class of 98 hip-hop edition who knows yeah well me and me and my brother talk about it all the time but just the the 90s in general the uh, i mean just the the range of music that was in the 90s and the mm-hmm. i mean just the innovation uh we look at it all the time 91 and 94 those two years some of the albums that were made in 91 and 94 it's just mind-blowing i mean because like, yeah you know like 91 had had Nirvana, it had Metallica, uh, um, the Black Album, it had Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, it had Stone Temple Pilots, Core, like it was just all of these so different sounding albums in in one decade. So definitely mm-hmm. you can have a lot of definitely have a lot of appreciation for it. Did it? Um, d- is there one rap album that really started you on rap that you were just like, oh man? This has got me hooked. Uh, I mean, I think it was Tribe Called Quest for me. It was the first time I heard Scenario. Nice. A cooler, older girl that I knew played it, and I was just like, what is this? These guys are cool. And and uh, I really dug into Tribe Called Quest. But, I, you know, I also loved uh, Snoop Doggy Dog, mm. as he was referred to back then. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, um, but then also on the other side of it, like, I was way into hip-hop and R&B, and then when Soundgarden Black Hole Sun came out, I was just like, wow, what is yeah. What is this? And this guy sings amazing, and the song was just like nothing I'd ever heard before. And, and the uh, music video, insane. Yeah, the music video was weird, yeah. But, um, so, you know, it was a cool time to sort of, I think it was really, I, I don't know for sure, but I feel like it was the beginning of sort of what became the, the iPod shuffle mm-hmm. generation where everything could kind of be smashed against with everything else, and it made sense somehow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, I got to ask one other thing about the the class of 98. Did pulling out the picture for the album cover, did it make you want to grow your hair out a little bit longer? <laughs> it's funny because I ended up, you know, during the pandemic, I, I let it go for a while and uh, it got pretty close. That The picture on the cover of the album is my hair is as long as it ever was and uh, my hair. But during the pandemic, got got pretty close mm. to that. And we actually did a recreation of the picture. Nice. Um, and posted it side by side. And uh, the general consensus of the internet was that I'd aged pretty well, <laughs> which I appreciated. There weren't people like gasping and stuff. So, um, Who is that yeah, person? You know. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
That's good. That's I don't good. know. Maybe one day I'll go back. The one I want to do more is bleach my hair. I bleached it like at the end of high school, but you know that's a whole that's a lifestyle commitment. <laughs> that one I don't know. You might be in danger of your uh, daughter judging you. Then I don't know. I feel yes, like that right. could be one of those. Oh, I can't. I can't introduce my dad. He's bleaching his hair again. Oh god. <laughs> uh, exactly. I noticed with this album with Class of '98, one of the cool things there, uh, you you were interviewed by John Mulaney. Uh, he did a he did a uh, interview with you, and you've been friends with him for a while. You actually did some shows with him back several years ago, and I was just interested because I didn't know how how did you meet John and end up doing those shows. Uh, yeah, we met. Um through some mutual friends and, and we were running in, in some similar circles for a while in New York. And, uh, so yeah, we were, we were hanging out a bit and, and I asked him if he'd like to, you know, interview me cause he'd done that once before and he, he had some really great and funny questions. So, um, yeah, it was nice. I actually haven't talked to him in a while really since then. It, his life has been, uh, kind of all over the place but um yeah it was a cool thing and and i i always you know it's it's fun for me when i can talk artist to artist with somebody about about my process and everything for sure now when you performed with him did did you open up for him yeah i did this was a long time ago probably i mean i don't know five years ago or something but i uh you know it, it used to be much more common for like musicians and artists and the comedians to do shows together and stuff but yeah so I kind of pitched it to him. I was like, what do you think if I just come out and did some shows? And he was like, yeah, he, he thought it was kind of cool and, and kind of classy and old school. And so, yeah, I got up there with my acoustic guitar. I, my, my show is already sort of lighthearted and casual. So, you know, I kind of I didn't like straight up tell jokes, but I uh, kept it moving, kept it light. And yeah, and um, I'm getting ready actually to do another show like that with a friend of mine, a good friend of mine from college. His name is Justin Willman. He's a He's a magician and mm. he's got this show, magic for humans on netflix and uh he's doing a show near me in new york and we thought it'd be fun to just have me come out and do some songs beforehand so i'm gonna get ready to do that and you know to me it's always it's a fun challenge to try to win over a crowd that doesn't know me yeah or doesn't know the music well i was about to say that was it, it looped in my my co-host for the show uh because Mike Mike Charette, he's a he's a stand up comedian, and he was just like, yeah, I've done some done some opening gigs for musicians, and that's just it's rough for comedians. So I was wondering, yeah, that can be hard for sure. I, I would imagine it just depends, but I think also it would work. It, it depending on you know you get the right kind of music crowd that's willing to be open to something, but um, it can be hard opening for anybody. I've, oh, I've opened up for a lot of people, and and sometimes you know from moment one you're just like this crowd's going to be rough going <laughs> over. Uh, but I, I sort of like that challenge of trying to, you know, of coming on stage and nobody claps and then leaving and people you feel like you've made some friends. You've won some over, and, yeah. 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 You went over one percent, you've done a good job. You've at least right. got those yeah. you at least got those people. I always think when I think of tough openings, watching the Ken Burns documentary on country music and Vince Neal talking about opening up for Kiss when he was in <laughs> at the end of high school and I was like, Yeah, that'd be rough. I don't think the Kiss fans <laughs> are looking for, for Vince Neal type music. That's uh it's a bit of a one eighty. Um Yeah. Well now uh, one thing about the the albums you got, uh, both albums that came out, uh, you really wrote both of those before the pandemic, and that's true. 
I, I've heard a lot of musicians talk about, you know, how basically they were forced to write and they got ended up getting a ton done during the pandemic. Did you do a lot of writing or did you do a lot of dadding? Yeah, I did a lot of dadding. I didn't write a ton of music. I'm, I'm kind of finally getting some other things together. But honestly, my um, my ten- pandemic project has been I've been writing a, uh, a, a movie script about wow. the music world. Um, I was actually I studied film in, in college and I kind of thought that's what I was going to do. And then I ended up doing the music thing instead. And, and um, so that was what I I've been working on writing a screenplay that's set in the world of music and that's been kind of a, the way of getting most of my creative outlets out so uh very hopefully cool. it'll be hopefully it'll be coming to a a screen near you one day very nice now is that is it semi uh biographical or is this completely just y- your experiences but put all together patchwork yeah i think i think something more like that it's not it's not about me um but it's definitely I definitely have lots of experiences in the music world, so um, it's been fun to kind of give it a try, and, and it's been a, you know, a steep learning curve, but uh, I've, I've got a bunch of friends that are in that world who have been very generous with their time and, and advice, so uh, it's been fun to like you know try to sort of blindly wander around figuring out what I'm doing. <laughs> well, how much, how much would you say you have left if you were uh, uh, you know, putting a percentage on it? Where are you at on it? I mean, I've I've written uh, several drafts of it and gotten some feedback for, from some uh, some producers and stuff like that. So you never know, but uh, it's it's uh, been it's been going on for like a year and a half or so now that I've been working on it and developing it. So we'll see. Some days I feel uh, like it was really silly of me to do it, and then days like today I feel like you know what, maybe it's going to happen. So it's been either way though. It's been it was something fun to get me uh when i had some time to myself you know something fun to put my my creative energies towards for sure for sure now well now since you've finished the the uncork shows uh you're you're working on the the script what what's the the main goals for the rest of 2021 is it the is it the screenplay is it a new album is it new shows what do we have yeah i'm finishing up some new music that'll hopefully come together and and um i think you know like you were talking about the beginning of this i'm kind of kind of going back online a bit and and uh we're we're trying some more of these that were really popular last year and beginning of this year so i'm you know i'm doing these private zoom concerts so people can can go to my website and, and book me and yeah. and uh sometimes it's just for one family they just want to have something to do in their with their you know house and sometimes they invite 40 friends and it's a big party and i did a 70th birthday party and all kinds of stuff but it's uh it's kind of a fun way to connect with people if you haven't seen them in a while so i'll be doing a bunch of those for the rest of the year and and uh i feel like the 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 single family's got to be tougher than the than the birthday i feel like 70 people is easier one family seems a little intense on a zoom yeah it can be um it can be it's a little harder just because they're just sitting there watching you whereas when there's more people you can get a chat room going and stuff but it all works and you know people get to pick the songs they want to hear and it's been a again it's been something i didn't know how to do two years ago and now it's a new skill i've got and it's a new way of sharing my music and and um you know we're just constantly trying to change and evolve and 
do something I haven't done before. Very nice. Very nice. Well, you hear it, listeners. You can you can book him anytime you want. If you want a personal conference, do it. Do it. Eric, we are up against a break, but I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Absolutely. I appreciate all the uh, the well-researched and, and thoughtful questions, man. It's been a, it's been a pleasure, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Listeners, you can check out all things Eric at his website, erichutchins.com, where you can stream all of his music on Spotify or Apple. Right now, let's take a listen to Eric's fantastic remix of The Best Part right here on The Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard Eric Hutchinson. That was off of the new album there. Fantastic to have Eric on the show. Uh, glad to hear he's doing well in New York. You mm-hmm. lived in New York for a while, Mike. Yeah. How'd you like Short it? Short time. I uh, felt like I was living in a theme park. Yeah. Um, a little bit much? For the most part. Yeah, a little bit much, but good time while it lasted. It's it's one of those things I feel like that's just, it's too stimulating. Just be like, oh, God, there's just yeah. so much going on. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I just can't. Jeez. Like, every time I go to New York, it's just like, there's people everywhere, and it's just. Yeah. Just it's it's and and you turn if you if you're there for a long time you turn into that person that can just zone out all of that that just has mm-hmm. a tolerance for things around you that it's just like yeah don't notice any of it yeah you know? yeah you become pretty desensitized after uh, enough subway rides it's pretty wild it's pretty wild but yeah. uh, Mike were you a big were you a big nineties man you're you're younger than Eric but uh, did you did you get into nineties 90s hip hop, 90s rock, any of that? Oh yeah, uh. oh yeah, all of it. What was the famous? What was your famous? What was your favorite uh, uh, hip hop artist from the 90s? Hmm, my favorite hip hop artist um, might be Tupac, but I think like my first favorite hip hop song mm-hmm. from the 90s mm-hmm. was uh, Friday. Or I think it's Friday. Uh, the Friday soundtrack, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube. No, not the oh. Friday soundtrack. What is it? Uh, it's Friday night. Oh, and I feel Ma- all- yeah. Yeah, and the party's here on the west side. So I reach yeah. for the van and I turn it up. Designated driver, take yeah. the keys to my truck. Oh God, and I'm faded. Yeah, Montel Jordan. He's like six ten or something like that. He was a ridiculous height. It's in one of his songs. He's like, he's at least six seven. I want to say I think it's six eight. I can't remember. It's huh. in in a song, but he's super tall. But it's an awesome jam. That is an awesome nineties yeah. jam. That's uh, I guess you'd put that sort of like in the the R and B nineties file because mm. okay. that sort of yeah, goes in the that. same uh, vein. I feel like is like um, uh, um, the uh, Backstreet, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Black Street. Yeah, Black Street. Sorry, not Pack yeah. Street, boys. Yeah, back. <laughs> back Street. Get out of town. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> oh man, good '90s stuff though. I don't know. Like, uh, I would say like favorite hip hop artist. I would probably go uh, Tupac too. But yeah, I do love. I do love Outkast. Yes. Uh, there, there are some one hit wonders in there that I love. One of my favorite one-hit wonders songs from the '90s, "Lunats." I got five on it. Mm. I got five oh, yeah. on it. Yeah, so good. <laughs> so good. Anyways, I'm rambling. Yes! Uh, thank you for Eric Hutchinson to coming on the show. Fantastic. Go check out both of his albums. Check out some of those live performances. Fantastic. Uh, Mike, it's time to see. You not get these last two birthday suits. Huh? <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, one is an 80s star, and one is a 1950s NBA star. Which one do you want to go with first? Um, let's go with the 80s star. Okay. Uh, this one, I mean, I know you know who it is. Just probably don't know the name. I'll be very surprised if you know his name. Uh, okay. Born in Stockholm, Sweden on November 3rd, 1957. 
Our birthday suit wearer's parents were an economist and an engineer. Hmm. Our birthday suit wearer performed great academically. He ended up going to Washington State University and then Clemson University for chemical engineering on a scholarship. He then finished his degree at the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm. After he graduated, he focused on karate, where he won the European Championships twice in 1980 and 81. He then decided to get a full uh, get a master's in chemical engineering at the University of Sydney in Australia. He is awarded a Fulbright scholarship from MIT. Jeez. However, this is true. While he was working as a bouncer before moving to Boston for a scholarship, he was spotted by Grace Jones, the model and singer. She hired him as a bodyguard, and they became lovers. Wait, what? He then decided to pursue acting. His most notable role came in 1985 when he was chosen to be Ivan Drago in Rocky IV. Hmm. His most notable lines were, If he dies, he dies. And... I must break you. He played in many smaller films. Then in 1992, he played in Universal Soldier with Jean-Claude Van Damme. In 2010, he played in The The Expendables again with Sylvester Stallone. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. Yeah, I have no idea. I do know the face. I know. I know. You know what that he looks chiseled like. jawline and the flat yeah. top. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. And Dolph isn't his original name. He took the Dolph as like that was his actor name. He was like, you know what? Mm. Now I'm Dolph. Mm. That's me. Mm. But yes, Dolph Lundgren, also better known as Ivan Drago. Yes. The, the unstoppable Soviet Union master of disaster there. Just a, a frightening <laughs> hulk of a man. And one of the goofiest 80s montages you will ever see yeah. in Rocky Four. But it used to get me so jazzed to work out. Uh, Ivan Drago in the, in the uh, USSR uh, workout facilities. Them pumping him up full of steroids. <laughs> My favorite part, him running around the giant indoor track and every, like, 20 meters hitting a speed bag that you were just like, huh? what the f- is that for? What are you <laughs> doing? How does that help you become a boxer? This is so weird. But, of course, you're just like, yeah, go, Rocky. Don't, don't die, Rocky. Oh, man, so good. Anyways, Dolph is turning, what do we got? Let's see, 43, 64. 64. Mm. Man, looks good for 60. Hey, go ahead and Google him. Get a get a, a new picture of him. You'll be like, wow. It looks good for 64. Not bad, Dolph. Do- How do you spell his? D-O-L- D-O-L-P-H. Dolph. Hmm. Dolph Lundgren. L-U-N-D-G-R-E-N. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, Mike, we're going to go to the uh, third birthday suit. This one... No way, no way I would get this ever. So uh, unless you have been studying NBA history, uh, you're not going to get it either. Uh, this okay. is this is a tough one. Born on November 3rd in 1928 in Hollywood, California, our birthday suit wearer loved the young sport of basketball growing up. He went to the college of uh, or went to Stanford for college. He played basketball there and was a two-time All-American. 
After college, he went to the Navy for two years, but then was drafted by the Fort Wayne Pistons in the 1950 NBA draft. I love that it's a time period where, like, it's it's sort of like Colin Kaepernick in baseball. You can just leave for two years in the Navy, and people in the draft are like, hey, what about that guy that's in the Navy? I heard he was good. Let's draft him. That's a fact. Like... Just, he just gave up basketball for two years, was in the was in the Navy, and they're like, eh, just throw him back in basketball. It's really weird. Anyways, he was drafted. He was a six-time All-Star from 1955 to 1960. He was known for his flamboyant scoring drives. Say what? He was the leading scorer in the NBA in 1958 and was the first player ever to score over 2,000 points in a season. After his seventh season in the NBA, he retired and started an engineering company. In 1996, he was elected into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. Wait, what What team did he play on? The uh, Fort Wayne Pistons, which then became the Detroit <laughs> Pistons. Not like it's going to matter. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, no oh, I know. Of course. <laughs> Four Wayne Pistons. Ah, jeez. It is George Yardley. George Yardley. Yeah. Yeah. Neither have I. I, uh, I mean, basically, I think the only 1950s, like pure 1950s player that I've heard of is George Mikan. That's, uh, have you heard of George Mikan? I don't think so. George Mikan was the was the real deal. Like he was he I mean he was big time. He played in the the 40s and the 50s. Uh end of the 40s and the 50s. He was nicknamed Mr. Basketball. Jeez. That was his mm. his nickname. He was 6'10". He was a a huge huge guy. Um you know, he he did a like I mean basically uh they introduced two rules because of him. They introduced the goaltending rule and they uh introduced the uh shot clock because of him mm. so uh really yeah the shot clock was in the 50s yeah mm-hmm. oh you know what i was thinking about college backcourt violations oh okay. backcourt back violations were not a thing yeah. for a long time yeah i feel like that rule wasn't implemented for a long yeah and they didn't do they didn't do shot clock in the uh in the in college until like the 80s so oh wow yeah yeah but George Mike and he was big time. I mean, he was like a uh, three-time NBA scoring champion, just a whole bunch of, uh, of championships. Uh, but we're not talking about George Mike, and I got sidelined nope. on him. We're talking George Yardley. Yes! Just a lot of Georges mm. playing ball back in the day, you know. And very common name back then, yeah. You know, but George, George. Yardley, he <laughs> was an all-star. Uh, he was uh, he was a wirely fella when he was playing. He was a pretty thin fella, but, man, he could score. Okay. He was 6'5", six 6'5", five. Six five, George Yardley. Uh, and he is also, it's an interesting time, you play seven years and you're just like, all right, I'm out. Like You know, like, he just played seven years. He's like, ah, it's a young man's game. Time to go do some engineering. <laughs> and then went to go be an engineer. Wild. Yeah. Wild. And it was like back when they like only got paid like fifteen thousand dollars yeah. a year for being an NBA player. Yeah, or you 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 couldn't be a professional basketball player and actually live on that salary. Like that hmm. didn't happen. Anyways, happy birthday to George Yardley. He's no longer with us, but he would have been ninety-three. 
if uh, if he would be living today. 93 birthday. Happy birthday to George Yardley. If you want to go see some classic NBA, pull up some YouTube videos of George Yardley just taking people to task, as they, <laughs> as they say back in the day. Uh, Mike, very excited about next week's show. I've already promoted it once or twice. We have got none other than Bailey Spin on the show. I'm very excited to talk with her. She is TikTok famous. She has 8 million uh, followers on the, uh, the, the platform, as they call it these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, 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 she's so big I'm going to ask her about this We're going to talk a little bit about it But she's so big She's just getting invited to big deals in, in LA Like they just invite her to openings of things And uh, you know Like they had a screening of the new Scream movie Paramount uh, Films just invited her to it Because she's just a That's big awesome. deal Yeah yeah, I was Jeez. like, I was like, how? Why? Why were you invited? She's just like, because that's that's what I do apparently. And I was like, awesome, awesome. Nobody wants me at anything. Uh, so that is cool. <laughs> there has never been a time that anyone has been like, hey, Ben, do you want to come to this? No, that has not happened. That's a fact. That has not happened. Not yet. Not, not yet, yet. But probably next week. I don't know. Nope. Sometime. Yeah. Probably. But it's coming soon. It's definitely coming soon. Uh, I'm gonna win over Muddy Bites, and they're gonna invite me to a factory, uh, a factory visit. They're gonna be like, "Check us mm-hmm. make out these Muddy Bites." And I'm gonna be like, "That is amazing. I'm gonna eat all of your Muddy Bites." <laughs> Anyways, guys, it is time to wrap up the show. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Mike Charette. Thank you for being on the show, sir. It's been great. Love it. Love doing this. Of course. Of course. And until next time, guys, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah.